0: We're in Romans chapter 15, and I'm not gonna do a lot of review as I normally do and tell you kind of what we've talked about. We're going to just go right in uh, to verse uh, number one of chapter 15. I need to make some headway here this evening. Thank you very much for being here. It's a great group of folks and thank you for being present tonight. Any pastor would be thrilled if he just had one section of this church in his church and to see each of you make the time and effort and energy to get from work get meals, some of you didn't even eat, you just came right from here, you'll eat after the service. Some of you came from uh, Chicago's, I see Brother Will back there, others of you, uh, and Brother Tom Roush from the northern part of Chicago, Chicago making their way here, others from uh, in South Lake County and Valparaiso and places. Thank you for your faithfulness. I'm so humbled by the, the commitment of God's people. One of our, two of our graduates tonight over in the Spanish Bible Institute they have finished their four year degree, uh, four years in the, in, in the institute, and they live uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And every Monday and every Tuesday for the last four years, uh, about 17 weeks in the fall, 17 weeks in the spring, they have uh, driven two and a half hours one way to get here, gone to school from 6 o'clock till 9.30 at night, and then get back and go back. And a husband and wife, both of them, graduated together this evening. Uh, Thousands of hours of driving in addition to study, participation, commitment. It's unbelievable, beautiful testimony. And many of us, we have a hard time coming across the street. Uh, But I tell you, God needs to help us be committed and I believe God's going to use them in a wonderful way as a, a missionary, a pastor, and just uh, thrills my heart. I was thinking about today, one of our Chinese pastors, that uh, their missionary got kicked out of China, but uh, last week the, the uh, Chinese police uh, went and asked him to report to the precinct. He went there with his wife and kids, and, and uh, they put him in handcuffs, walked him back in there, left his family in the front and went in there and roughed him up and threatened him and hit him and beat him and abused him and uh, interrogated him and then about five hours later let him out, but just trying to flex her muscle with him and uh, yet still trying to intimidate him from preaching the gospel. And uh, just think about some of the things we we think we we've, we've killed the big one if someone closes their door and says, I don't want you on my porch. You know, we think we've really... We've really hurt. we we've, we've really suffered a lot if we have to. If the air condition goes out in our Sunday school classroom, you know. And boy, I tell you what, some folks are going through some very difficult seasons, and we need to pray for them, uplift them, and encourage them. But that's not just a fuzzy wuzzy story. That happened last week, and heard about that there in mainland China. Of course, uh, just a challenging thing, and that's that's an everyday occurrence somewhere in the world. And uh, we need to really pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are facing challenges especially. Verse number 1 of chapter 15, the Bible tells us we're talking about developing a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. Read them out loud with me, would you please? We then that are ought to bear the infirmities of the and not to please ourselves. Verse number 2, everyone, let every one of us please his neighbor, I want to give you, first of all, the first testimony we ought to have in chapter 15 is that of trying to edify other people. He said, if you're strong, we then, and basically based upon what he said in chapter 14, if you're in the strong group, and all of us are there, we either in the strong group or the weak group, or we're somewhere in the middle, he said, but those of you who are strong in the faith, he said, your job is not to kick the weak, but to support the weak. And not to please your own self. Listen, you've got a little bit of knowledge. You've been saved a little bit longer. You ought to be the first one to encourage and love and reach out and disciple and help people that are in their early stages of the Christian walk. He said, if you're strong, you're strong, support the weak. And not to please yourself. There's something, there's a terrible phenomenon that happens after a person has been saved for a while. They grow and all of a sudden they begin to level out. You know, you don't stay like this very long before you do this. Become critical, self-absorbed. The Bible tells us that we're not to please ourselves. He talks about pastors in 1, Corinthians, 1 Peter chapter 5. Paul, excuse me, Peter says, he goes, listen to the elders who am also an elder, Peter says, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He said, I want you to feed the flock of God when taking the oversight there, if not... Uh, not by constraint, not because you have to, but because you get to. Not for money, but for a uh, ready mind. Not being lords, looking down on God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. I would to God that every one of us would say, you know what, if God's given me enough to be strong, then my, my strength is to be used to support the weak and not to please myself for the good of edifying. We don't use the word too much, edification too much, or edifying, but it's a Bible word. You can find in Ephesians chapter 4 where the Bible says, in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. Now that's not just curse words. Now Christians should not be cursing. There's many of us in this room tonight, no doubt, when you get fired up, you say something you shouldn't say. And that's wrong. It's sinful. It needs to be quickly confessed and apologized if someone heard you especially, but confessed before God. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. I don't think he's talking about uh, cursing in that situation. He's talking about saying things that are tearing down and critical rather than encouraging. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. You can go to the nursery, and you can see if someone builds a little block house, guess how long it stays in the, in the toddler nursery? No, not very long. You can put a little block together, and in a few moments, you let a couple toddlers go, and it will be torn down. And it'll, Because any baby can tear something down. Now, a lot of babies in church tear things down. They got opinions about everything and they think everybody needs to know their opinion. He said, don't let that corrupt communication. Nothing that will corrupt will corrode, nothing that will, criti- that will be unjustly. None of needs to be constructive criticism. There needs to be prophets in our church that, that say, hey, listen, that's wrong or we've got to deal with that. But he said, but use your words to the use of edifying, building up. And he said uh, here, he said, look, if you're strong, Thank God for it. Now use your strength to help somebody who's weak. And so many of us, we just, we've been saved for a long time, and all we think about is how comfortable we are, what we're getting. Sometimes I hear people have been saved for 30 years. Lord, when we go to church, help us to get something. And you know what they ought to pray? Help me to give something. Help me to be used of God. We're information fat. We've had so much stuff we've got. But we're application skinny. We're not, we're not putting, use what you have to help and encourage other people. Every one of us, we should not let six months go by that we're not discipling somebody. You don't have an excuse big enough to God, in my opinion, why you can't help another person grow. Every person, you ought to have, if six months, you ought to have lead someone to the Lord. Or be responsible to get them under the sound of the gospel. Say, Pastor, I don't know how to lead someone to Christ. Take them to your Sunday school teacher. Ask them, if I could have someone show you for a few moments how you can do it, would you let my Sunday school teacher do that for you? All of us ought to be saying, you know what, I do not want to stagnate. And here's what happens. A week will turn into a month. A month will turn into six months. And then six months turn into a year. Before you know it, you've invested in nobody. And God's given us strength and we're not using it for the edification of another. God didn't give you things to to just to keep it unto yourself. He gave it to you to pass it on. He tells us that the things that you've heard and uh, been assured of, he said those things, I want you to to commit to faithful men who can teach others also. One of the reasons the world has not heard the gospel of Christ is because Christians like me and Christians like you have, have just kept it and we haven't, we haven't given it out. I wanna encourage you, don't give yourself an excuse why you can't sit down with somebody on a weekly basis. Today, I had to the joy to disciple a man. I'd sit down with him and take the Bible, went through the, the lesson on forgiveness. And just going through it, it helped me and it helped him. He said about three times, that's good. I never seen that, that's good. That helped me right there, that helped me pastor. And the truth matter, it helped me too. But boy, taking time to, to find that. Most of us, we all have 168 hours in our week. Take the strength that God's given you and help somebody else. You younger couples, older couples, retirees, don't retire, return. Uh, you got something you can do for the Lord. Uh, something, do it. Decide to do that. Hey, figure out Saturday. You know, you got, you got, we got uh, 24 hours on a Saturday. Can you take one of those hours and disciple a convert? Can you take a Tuesday night or a Monday night or a Thursday night and say, listen, can we just go through this Bible study? I was blessed Brother the Moses took the time to go through a discipleship lesson with a man and he got saved after understanding salvation. Got baptized here a couple weeks ago. He just took a start a Bible study and then all of a sudden he goes like, I don't think I'm saved. So well, let's get saved. OK, I'll do it. He got saved. Because someone went through a Bible study with him, That's something you can do in your home. Your home can be a lighthouse. You can, you can help people in your community. Why don't you let God stimulate you if you're strong? And there's nobody as weak as someone that's on their way to hell. <laughs> no one is weak as someone who doesn't know Jesus. They're weak in this life. They have no answers, and they're weak for eternity. Let's look at verse number three. Can we please? The Bible tells us, first of all, we have a testimony that we're an edifier. We build up. Number three, the Bible says here, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as is written, The reproaches of, of them that reproached thee fell on me. So I took it on the chin. It's a Psalm 69.9, a reference to that. And Jesus is our example for edifying. Verse number four, let's read it out loud together. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we see the we see here, he says, that's what we're written aforetime. In this passage of Scripture, he's talking to the Roman Christians who didn't have the book of Romans yet. <laughs> they didn't have Ephesians, didn't have the Revelation, didn't have John or Matthew or Mark. He's referencing the Old Testament. And God says here, God gave you what he wrote you before, he gave you aforetime, so that you, through patience, working through problems, and the consolation of the Lord, you can have hope. You know, whenever you have a problem. It's a real big problem in front of you. Is there anybody in the Bible in the Old Testament had a big problem in front of them? A lot of people. Who comes to your mind? Who is it? Moses? Yeah. He had a Red Sea and he had a bunch of soldiers behind him coming after him from Egypt. A big problem. He had a big God. David had a giant standing in front of him, nine foot, six inches tall, threatening out all kinds of curse words and told him he's going to feed him to the birds. He had a big problem for him, but he had a God that was bigger. He had a cause that was bigger. Remember he said, is there not a... By the way, whenever you're going through a difficulty, that's what you need to ask yourself. What's the cause? What's God trying to accomplish here? Not, why me? You can ask why, but you better be able to take the silence. Because God God doesn't even owe you an explanation. But I think a good thing to say is, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want me to learn? How do you want to use this? Today, I was on the radio broadcast and spent some time with Randy Rogers, who's back here, and then also with the Kirby Campbell. Some of you heard that broadcast. And tomorrow, Brother Harold and his brother, his twin brother, are going to be on the broadcast together. It'll be a lot of fun. You won't know who's talking, probably. But uh, nonetheless, was talking about that, and these two men have had, you know, Brother Randy Rogers probably has more pain in this service than you and I will experience in a month. Now, some of you, that's not the case. You've got fibromyalgia and lupus and arthritis, and rheumatoid arthritis, and some of you have migraine headaches continually, and you have chronic pain. But uh, I know for sure Brother, Brother, Brother um, Rogers had more pain today in his day than I've had in a year. You know, one thing he's decided to do, he goes, Lord, I don't want to waste the suffering. I think suffering is a ministry that God chose to give him. 25 years ago, September the 11th, he fell off off a scaffolding and broke his neck and has been a quadriplegic ever since. The pain that he's endured, we can't even fathom that. But you know, why can he continue going? Most quadriplegics live 16 years. The Lord's given him nine years plus to continue going on. Why is that? I think he's used his suffering. He says, it's my ministry, it's what I do, I can deal with it if God can get glory. When you go so winning, you can go to any street you want. He has to drive down the streets and look for someone who has a ramp in their house because he knows somebody lives there that's like him. I think of Brother Lewis over here. I'm so glad to see you, and he comes. You pray for Lewis, he has a fancy fancy Camaro. It's really making the rest of us feel bad, Lewis. But Lewis comes from Chicago and drives down here for service a Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service, faithful young man. Pray for him, he wants to get baptized, We just gotta make it happen there. I'm proud of him, I'm so thankful for that. But these men who go through their, their, their problems in regards to that, uh, we, need to, we need to thank God for them. But the same thing, all these problems that people go through is to build hope in us. And God gave us the scriptures. By the way, when you have a problem, before you go to Facebook, go to the Bible. Get your face in the book. Go to Psalms before you go typing, the world's your problems. Go to Proverbs, read a Proverbs, say, Lord, is there anything you want me to know here before I go go tell everybody? Before I get on the phone and start calling everybody for, and I I think it's good to call people for prayer, but many of us need to spend a little more time in prayer personally with the Lord and in the Word of God. And then you know what's going to be the outcome of that one word, hope. Hope is a guarantee based upon what God said. We won't always need hope. We all always need faith. and no, we'll always need love. Love's an eternal attribute. He so, said, but one time, one day, your faith will become sight. He said, there's hope, faith, and love, or charity. The greatest of these is charity. Why? It's an eternal attribute. But in this life, we need hope, and hope is fostered, from the Scriptures. Verse number four, we ought to be Bible-believing people, testimony of Bible-believing. Verse number four, we just read it. five. Let's read it together. Now, the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded. Now, here he says patience and consolation. Patience is the continue work to continue going. When you see patience, it means strength to continue. One thing, I don't, we don't like patience, and sometimes you don't pray for patience because God makes patience through trials. But really, trials do help us. You can't uh, test the strength of an anchor in shallow waters. You've got to get in the deep water, and there's difficult times that come. But he said, through patience and consolation, you can be like-minded in the person of Christ. And that's one of the things that we can gather around. I, I, love, I love being with God's people, and we can open the Bible. I was with the City Baptist teachers today, and I had the joy to be with the Hammond Baptist teachers on Friday, and tomorrow we're going to uh, Berean Baptist over in Rockford, Brother, Brother Swanson's uh, teachers uh, in service. But I'm glad to be able to say in each of those things, I can say, let's take our Bibles and turn. Boy, I can see people go to the Bible. because the Bible does. It gets us on the same page real quick. You can argue with me. I can argue with you. We can argue with the Bible. But the Bible does produce patience and consolation, comfort from God. And then I love the next thing it says in verse number six. Let's look at it if we can. The Bible tells us here, verse six, that ye may be with one mind in one mouth glorifying who? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another uh, as Christ also received us in the glory of God. And then he's going to go on to talk about this. I want to just say this in closing tonight. The Word of God is given to us. And we ought to have a testimony, first of all, of edification, of edifying other people. If God's given you some strength, some knowledge, then help somebody grow. Number two, we ought to be a testimony of Bible-believing people, Bible-reading people, love the Bible, read the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on the Bible, obey the Bible. Because from that, you're going to find that you're going to have hope. And hope-filled people... You know, we have a friend of ours, Brother Tom Suter, and you can get his book in the bookstore, Help Out of the Hole of No Hope. Sometimes people would have no hope, and it's because we lack confidence and understanding of the scriptures. But another byproduct of a Bible-believing person is they will be peaceful and unified. With one mind and with one mouth, they'll have the purpose to glorify God. The whole purpose of life is to give glory to God and good to others. And that comes from a person who's committed to the scriptures. Not committed to First Baptist Church, and I love this church. Not committed to Pastor Wilkerson. Every once in a while I'll just have someone tell me, you know, I'll just whatever you do, Pastor, is what I want to do. And I, and, I, and I appreciate the loyalty. The truth of the matter is, I want you to look a little higher than me, brother. Whatever the church is doing, I'm all about it. Well, that's good, but be all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And be loyal to a book. Years ago, there was a group of a vigilante that was asked by um, the Catholic Church and some Catholic leadership to try to eradicate Baptist people. Uh, they weren't called Baptists at the time. Some of them were Moravians. Uh, and so they were, they were challenged with them because the Moravians and the, and the Baptist, Baptistic people there were winning the loss and taking converts out of their of their they parishes. And so they hired this vigilante and said, we would like for you to exterminate these Baptist people. And they said, we can have the help of the local governments. We're gonna help you with this. We gotta get rid of them. They're, they're, they're messing up our religion. And the vigilante leader at the end of his investigation, he said this, he goes, I am not taking the job. He said, there's three reasons I won't take this job. Number one, the people you've asked me to eradicate are our change, are loyal to a book. They don't care what the preacher says. They don't care what the pope says. They don't care what this thing says. They're loyal to a book. They're all on the same page, because their loyalty is not to a, a dictator or someone who's just got charisma. Their loyalty is to a book. Number two, he said, they think it's their job to tell everybody in the whole world, and they spread out. They don't stay in one place. They keep sending people here and here. So if you get rid of them in this location, they're going to be pop- popping up someplace else. You'll never be able to do it. Isn't that a good thing? See, the third thing, he said, they're good people. People that don't re- they don't they don't understand them. They still respect them. They pay their bills. They love their family. They're good citizens. He said. If you try to get rid of them, you're going to have problems with the average Joe around. Even though they don't agree with them, they like them. Would to God that would be our same testimony today. They would say, you know what? That, my neighbor is loyal to that book. They got that Bible. Not just what their church says or what their pastor says, but they, they really know their Bible. They're loyal to a book that we would be getting the gospel to the next towns and the next towns and the next country and that we would be good testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great testimony tonight, and I pray that we have a testimony of edification, of Bible-believing, and of peaceful, unified living. Glorifying God together.